Amen. As you're being seated, if you will find your Bible, open it up. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5 today. We'll also be in Luke chapter 8. Students, I'm very proud of you guys. I'm uh, thankful for what God has done in your hearts. I also want to encourage you on something. Uh, You know, a lot of times people say about the youth of a church, well, they are our future. Uh, You guys are not just the future of the church, you are the now of the church. People don't realize this sometimes. One of the things I've learned in pastoring over a number of years is that students bring with them an energy and they bring with them a zeal that a church needs. And one of the things that students often lead the way in is saying to the church, let's go. Let's go reach out to people and and be involved in mission activity and be involved in taking the gospel outward. Let's go make a difference. Uh, There is a lot of criticism that is generated towards the millennial generation these days. Um, But I, I will say one thing about the millennial generation, and that is that they have a talent and ability to see injustice, to see darkness, and to want to make a difference, to want to do something about it. And I think that is probably the strength of this up-and-coming generation, is that you guys see hurting people, dark areas of the world, and you're not content with just saying, well, that's just life. You want to make a difference. And I believe that God can use everyone in this room, young and old, to make a difference. Whenever I was in college and seminary, one of the things that I used to do was I ran a softball league. And it grew into a pretty good softball league. It was on Sunday nights, and we had about 12 different churches involved in it. And we'd go out to this ballpark, and we'd play, you know, three or four games each Sunday night. And the late game, it wouldn't start until like 9.30, 10 o'clock at night. And so it would go pretty late into the evening. And one night we were there, the bleachers were absolutely packed out. It was the last inning of the game. It was a big game. Everybody was cheering, and it was really close. And there, were, there was a runner at first and third, and the batter, he hits this fly ball to right field, and the ball's in the air. And it's one of those moments where as soon as the ball's hit, the crowd kind of cheers because it looks like it's going to be a, a long drive out to the outfield. And as the ball was in the air, the timer on the lights hit and the lights went out and suddenly suddenly everything changed suddenly it was completely dark like in an instant in the entire ballpark and the the outfielders out there going you know ducking like this and and the 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 bleachers kind of go into mass chaos that was before we had flashlights on our phones and and uh, so suddenly everything changed the players and coaches were upset with me what are we going to do how are we going to finish this game and all this type of stuff and it, it was it was amazing to me how action order fun, the sense of community that we had, that all of that just ceased the moment the lights went out. When the lights go out, suddenly everything just kind of stops. Now, not so much physical light, but the metaphorical light is a very important part of life. Virtually in every area of culture, we talk about light Uh, Martin Luther King said, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. 
Erasmus, one of the reformers of the Protestant Reformation era, he wrote, Give light, and the darkness will disappear of itself. Helen Keller once said, Faith is the strength by which a shattered world emerges into the light. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, the individual that came up with the five stages of grief, she once wrote, People are like stained glass windows. They sparkle and shine when the sun is out. But when the darkness sets in, their true beauty is revealed. Only if there is a light from within. This imagery of light versus darkness. It's actually one of the big themes of Scripture. Whenever you read the Bible, the Scripture writers often use light as a symbol. They will use light to symbolize God, how the light is shining in the world. They will use light to symbolize the Word of God. And sometimes light is used in Scripture to symbolize holiness, that we are to come out of darkness and we are to live our lives in the light. Sometimes light is used to describe wisdom, that we need to walk in the light so that we can have wisdom to make good, wise decisions instead of walking in foolishness. King David in in Psalm 27 said, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? One of the things about darkness is that it often brings fear. If you've ever spent the night out in the woods or been out really away from society, you know that whenever you take away light, it's really easy for people to get scared. David says, I don't have any reason to be scared because the Lord is my light and my salvation. In Psalm 119, David wrote uh, that the word of God is a lamp for his feet and a light for his path. That as he tries to navigate life, uh, the Word of God reveals the path in front of him and allows him to see just enough to live each day. Solomon in Ecclesiastes chapter 2 said, I saw that wisdom is better than folly, just as light is better than darkness. Peter in 1 Peter chapter 2 said, Christians are called to declare the praise of the one who called us out of darkness and into the light. Jesus, talking about light in John chapter 12, said, Believe in the light while you have the light. And then he said these words, So that you may become children of the light. And that idea of being children of the light is an idea that carries on into the New Testament. You find it on a couple of different instances throughout the New Testament that Christians Those of us who believe in Jesus, the Bible teaches us that we are to be children of the light. So when we get to Ephesians chapter 5, here's what what the Apostle Paul writes. For you were once in darkness, I'm beginning in verse 8. For you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So where is our light generated from? From being in the Lord. For you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Then he says, Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the light results in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Discerning what is pleasing to the Lord. Don't participate in the fruitless works of darkness, but instead expose them, for it is shameful even to mention what is done by them in secret. 
Everything exposed by the light is made clear, for what makes everything clear is light. And then I love the last part of the verse. Therefore, it is said, get up, sleeper, and rise from the dead, and the Messiah will shine on you. I'm thinking about ending all my sermons with that quote right there, okay? Get up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and the Messiah will shine on you. Now, I want you to quickly notice five things about this passage of Scripture. Number one, uh, Christians are called children of light. Children of light. There is a lot of darkness in our world these days. I did a Google search over the top news stories of 2016. The top news story, both one and two, was the uh, populist uprising and turnover of political leadership in the two most powerful countries in the Western world, where we here in the United States and in England are seeing a, a new era within our political system. Right behind those two news stories uh, were terrorist attacks, various terrorist attacks that occurred over 2016 in Brussels, in Istanbul, in Nice, in Orlando. You may recall each of those stories, and we've come to a point within our society where each of those stories individually, uh, it, it impacts us for a season, and then it becomes part of a larger story, the larger story of the darkness of terrorism and how it can invade a moment and life can be taken. It's a lot of darkness in our world. Throughout the last year, we had... Uh, the beginning of the Black Lives Matter movements and the, de- the movement and the deaths that were associated with that. And then we also had the shooting of law enforcement officers. And those of us that live here in this community, we remember vividly when the officers were shot in Dallas. Internationally, we've had the, the civil war in Syria and the tremendous human suffering that is taking place in Aleppo. And as you read all these stories day after day, as you hear them, as you, as you just cannot avoid them because they are a part of our world, there is no way to escape this basic reality that the world is a dark place. There is a tremendous amount of injustice, suffering. There is a tremendous amount of darkness within our world. And it's not because we lack knowledge, because we have more knowledge than ever before. The world is a dark place, not because of ignorance or lack of knowledge. The world is a dark place because it lacks light. But Christians are called to be different in order to make a difference. Jesus generated this idea that in the Lord, we are to be children of the light, shining into the darkness of this world. Now, secondly, in the passage, we learn that walking in light results in goodness, righteousness, and truth. In a lot of ways here, we see the process of salvation that when we walk in the light, and Jesus called himself the light of the world, whenever we have our faith in Christ and we're walking in the light, uh, we experience the grace, the forgiveness, the new birth that occurs through Christ. And then that results in goodness and righteousness. God sees us in Christ not as an enemy. God sees us in Christ not in our sins, but God sees us in Christ 
as righteous because we're in Christ, and then that leads us to truth. You see, being saved is not just an event in and of itself. You don't just experience the salvation and grace of God, and then everything's, everything's done. God also calls you to not only know his grace, but also to know his truth and to love his truth and to hunger and thirst for those things that are righteous. And so walking in the light naturally leads you to goodness, righteousness, and truth. Thirdly, we see in the passage that walking in the light pleases God. Fourth, walking in the light exposes darkness. And fifth, light makes everything clear. Now, one of the things about the light is sometimes it can be a little bit painful. You ever had anybody, what's the old saying, they shed light onto a situation? You ever had anybody shed light onto your weaknesses? It can be a little bit painful. Whenever the truth of God first encounters you, sometimes there's an adjustment stage. You ever go to an afternoon movie? And after you've watched the movie and had that big tub of popcorn figured out how you're going to finance the popcorn. And uh, then you go down that little dark, I don't know, they always have that little dark hall after you get out of the movie. And there's that little like fire escape door and you open it up and it's like, you know, and the light hits you and it's painful because your, your eyes have gotten used to the darkness. And so it takes, it takes a few moments before you can see. Well, the same thing is true sometimes whenever we encounter the light of God. It hits us and when it first hits us, it's like, this is awkward, this is different. I'm going to have to change. I need some adjustments here. But whenever you make those adjustments and you abide in the light of God, abide in the truth of God, eventually the truth sets you free to live in a different way. There is a growing thought in our society these days. And that thought is that truth is subjective. That the individual or the circumstance is what determines truth. So there is no transcendent truth. There is no universal truth. But the idea is is that everybody just has a truth in and of themselves. And whatever the circumstances are, that's what defines truth. According to Pew Research, about 65% of the people that live in our community agree with that idea that truth is subjective to the individual or to the circumstance. Buried within that thought process is a very dangerous thought that says there's no such thing as transcendent truth. Transcendent truth is something that is true because someone beyond you, someone beyond us, someone beyond the society just determined it to be true. Now those of us who are Christians, it's Sunday morning, how how many of you consider yourself a Christian? Good. I'm, I'm glad that there's a lot of Christians in the house today. Those of us who are Christians, the Christian position is that there is a truth beyond you. There is light that exists because the Creator, our God, birthed that truth within us, determined it within His creation. And so there are some things that are just true. There are some things that are just light, and they are birthed in us by God. It is the truth of God, not the truth of politics, not the truth of education, not the truth of human achievement, not the truth of opinion. 
It is the truth of God that sets you free. It is the truth of God that becomes the light that allows you to sort through all the knowledge that is brought to us on our screen time each and every day to find the deceptive quality of wisdom. It is the truth of God that allows you to know how you can get beyond yourself and make a difference in the lives of others and in the community around us because you understand that there are certain things that are true for all people. And you want to share that truth and bring light to the darkness of our world. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And whenever you embrace the truth, Jesus called those who embrace the truth children of the light. Now here's what Jesus had to say about how we are to handle the light in Luke chapter 8. Those of you that are here every week know that right now we're working through Jesus' life in Luke chapter 8. So here's what Jesus said in Luke 8 and verse 16. No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a basket or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a lampstand so that those who come in may see its light. No one, after having the light lit, hides that light under the bed or immediately puts a basket over it. Remember whenever you were a kid, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. No! Yeah. I'm going to let it shine. Yeah. Okay, that, that, that's, Jesus wrote that song. Well, I better, well, Jesus inspired that song. How about that, okay? Verse 17. For nothing is concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known and come to light. Therefore, take care how you listen. For whoever has more will be given to for whoever has more will be given to him and whoever does not have even what he thinks he has will be taken away from him. There is this temptation within the Christian community to become a Christian hoarder. A Christian hoarder receives the truth of God, receives the gift of salvation, You yourself become a new creation in Christ, but instead of sharing the light, you hide the light. Instead of putting it on the lampstand so that all may see the light, you put a basket over it. You hide it under the bed. When God blesses you, you develop this mindset that the blessings from God exist purely for me. And so you hoard the blessings of God instead of realizing that God blesses you to be a blessing and God blesses you so that you can be a conduit that then uses the blessing of God to impact and make a difference in the world around us. Instead of piercing the darkness, many Christians fear the darkness. And so what happens is we will retreat into stained glass monasteries where we find people that look like us, think like us, talk like us, sing like us. And the idea of the community of God coming together in weekly worship like this is a scriptural idea. But what happens here is not supposed to stay here. What happens here is supposed to go out into our families, into our communities, so that our attitude doesn't become, I'm just going to hang on until the Lord gets me out of here, but our attitude becomes, 
I can take what the Lord has done in my life, and then I can shine that light into the darkness of the world around me, and I can make a difference because of what God has done. Jesus says to us, listen to me. Students, listen to me. You can make a difference. Jesus says, if you have ears to hear, hear this. Listen to me. I didn't shine my light into your life for you to hoard it. I didn't shine my light into your light for you to take that, put it under the bed, and let nobody else see it. I shined my light into your light so that your life can make a difference. I want you to be different to make a difference. You are a custom-made creation of God. He has equipped you with experiences, with personality, with talents, and with a spiritual gift from the Holy Spirit that you can use to make a difference in the world. Please, Don't hoard the blessings of God. Please, don't let the work of God that has been birthed within you just be contained to you, but take the light that shines within you and shine it into the world. This world is a dark place, and it needs you, and it needs me, and it needs us to shine light into the darkness. I am not content to just hang out with my dearly loved friends while people suffer. I am not content to just sing good songs while people live their entire lives in darkness and never hear the incredible message of light that is contained within, that is the gospel. You don't have to be the same. Anybody that takes up space and takes in air is dearly loved by our God, made in the image of God to be birthed in Christ anew so that their life might have eternal meaning and connection. Fridays is a special day in my life, and one of the things that I like to do on Fridays is pick up my girls at school. About 10 days ago, a couple Fridays ago, it was time to pick up the girls at school, and I looked out the window, and I was like, oh my, it's a blizzard. I mean, where were you during the great blizzard of 2017? You know, I'm like, there's no way I can get out in this kind of stuff. I was calling Uber, hey, can you go pick up my, and they're like, no, I'm not getting out in this stuff. Okay, fine, I'm dad. I will brave the whiteout, and, uh, and I, I mean, like a fifth of an inch of snow fell. I mean, this is a major crisis. A lot of you were running the, to the grocery stores, weren't you? Taking everything off the shelves. There's no more food left. Just take the dog food. It'll be okay. You know, it was a crisis. So anyway, I, I brave the streets, and I get to my, I know, I brave the streets. Y'all are impressed, aren't you? I brave the streets, and I get to my girl's school, and, and it's just an incredible sight. I mean, the snow is falling, and they've got pecan trees out there. They go to the school, uh, a Christian school, where it's K through 12s all in one campus, and, and I drive onto the campus, the snow's falling, the, the kids are just having a ball, everybody's getting out of class, and they're like trying to shovel up enough snow to make snowballs and throw it at each other, and, and people are taking pictures all over the campus. I, I start whistling Christmas songs in my head, and, and the girls get in the car, and they're all excited, and it's just one of those real sweet moments. I mean, we don't get that much in Texas, so whenever it does snow, everybody's happy, and then we kind of like become children again. And so, so we leave, we leave and, and we go home, and as we're driving off the campus, I'm looking around, and the kids are still playing and having a good time, and, and, 
I didn't know at that time that one of the faces in the crowd wouldn't be back to school on Monday. There was a little girl that day on that campus named Allie. She's 16 years old, and they had a big weekend plan. Her sister Sarah Beth and her friend Tristan was going to go hunting with her father. And so they all went out to Nakona, and on Saturday, Allie and her friends were on one of those ATV vehicles, and they were struck by a pickup truck, and Allie, Allie died there beside the road. It was a tragic, tragic day, a dark day, a difficult day. Sixteen-year-olds are not supposed to die. They're supposed to live their lives. I got the news on Saturday, and you may recall last week I asked you guys to pray for the Hooten family. As the days went by this week, I discovered I discovered that there was something different about this young lady named Allie. What was different about her is that she loved the Lord. And in her life, she shined her light. And she quietly made a difference. The difference that she made was on a spiritual level. She impacted people spiritually. As a young girl, uh, she wrote some things like this. When you're at your worst, look to the highest. She wrote, never trade your strength for temporary pleasures. She wrote that to a young girl who was struggling to fit in at school. She wrote, your job is to hold the faith and not let it run thin. As the week went on, it, it became clear to me that death had not extinguished Allie's light. Rather, her light shined in the afterlife with a piercing brilliance. And each day this week, I heard more stories. On Monday, her school gathered for a memorial service. Uh, uh, I think it was on Thursday, there was a news story about her life. I saw things on social media as uh, her life was touching hearts and touching families and touching communities. There's now a hashtag, Allie's Legacy, A-L-L-Y-S Legacy, hashtag before that. You can put that in on Facebook or Twitter and you can see uh, different comments and different ways that her life has impacted people. On Friday, in our community over at, in Saxe at North Place Church where she attended, they had her celebration service. It was a capacity crowd. They live-streamed the event. This little girl that lived in Wiley, she was never in any movies or anything, didn't, didn't have record, or they don't call them records, but didn't have, didn't have music out or anything like that. But 20,000 people watched that service. 50 states people watched. People from 19 different countries celebrated her life. That evening, I, I received an email from one of the elders at her church that said that at her funeral service, 200 people gave their life to Christ. Because at her funeral service, they shared her heart. Her light was shared. I heard that since her death, over 300 people have come 
to know the Lord. That doesn't make it easy that she's gone. It doesn't make the the world a, a, a place where there is no injustice or darkness, but there's one person shining their light in ways that she will never know that's impacting eternity. Paul and Sandra Reed were ministering to students throughout this week, and Sandra wrote after the celebration service, it was an extraordinary event where we stood on holy ground and God's hallowed and mighty presence was felt. Your life is a gift from God given to you to make a difference for God. And you may never know the difference that you make when you shine his light. And so I I want to encourage those of you that are Christians today, don't hoard the light. Don't put it under under the bed. Put it on the lampstand. Use the talents, the experiences, the gift that God has given you to shine your light into the lives of others. You may never know the impact that you're making, and the impact that you're making will outlive you whenever you use your life to shine the light of God into the world around you. Don't grow weary in doing good. Shine the light. You can make a difference. And if there's never been the time in your life when you embraced Christ as Lord and Savior, I believe this is your moment when you too can become a child of the light. Would you be so kind as to bow your heads right where you are? The band's going to come, but I would encourage everybody just to bow your head right now because I want to ask you this question. Is this your moment? Is God coming up, pressing up against you right now and calling you to become a believer in Christ? You feel your heart stirred. You realize that some things need to change and that God is calling you to Him. And I want to encourage you to make this your moment. There's never been that time in your life where you've embraced Christ as Savior and Lord with your head bowed right where you are. You might just call out to God and say something like this, God, I have done things that are wrong, and I ask for your forgiveness. I ask for a new start in my life, and I'm trusting in you. I'm trusting in Jesus as my Savior, as my Lord. And I pray that you will change me from the inside out and allow me to have a light that shines through my life so that my life can also make a difference that lasts forever. This is my day of salvation, God. And I call out to you. If this is your moment, I'm, I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I would like to know. I've given my life to help people in their spiritual journeys. And I'd like to be an encouragement, a pastor to you. If this is your moment of salvation, would you just look up at me so that I can make eye contact with you? Just look up at me. Our heads continued to be bowed. How can God use your life? Where can your light shine?
Are you hoarding it? Hiding it? Where are the opportunities? The world needs you. This community needs you. Your family needs you. Your friends need you. This church needs you to be light shining in the darkness. Father, I pray. I pray that what happens here won't stay here. I pray that we will be light shining for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. Let's sing out praises to our Lord.